Welcome to For What It's Worth podcast. I'm your host, David Oglesby, along with my co-host, Bronson Stewart, from the heart of Franklin, Texas. Each week, we talk about topics ranging from sports to politics to pop culture, but our ultimate goal is to weave the truth of Jesus into everything we do. Thanks for joining us today. If you like what you hear, please share it, subscribe, and mention it to a friend. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of For What It's Worth. Well, Bronson, it's been a crazy week, right? I mean, so many things have happened. And as we kind of sat back and just wondered um, what we're going to talk about this week, um, so many things popped up. And so this week, we're going to enter into a a new segment, another new segment called a rundown. And we're just going to hit the top three stories um, of the week. And uh, I think I just think so many things have happened. You got the J.J. Watt release. You got the Texas uh, snowstorm fiasco. Snowvid. Snowvid. You got Snowvid, Texas Snowvid. Right. And then you got Ravi Zacharias. Um, And so let's just start at the top. Let's just run down top to bottom. J.J. Watt release. Did you see this coming? Man, how crazy is that? I mean, you and me are kind of texting. We release the podcast Friday morning like we always do. And literally the news breaks just after we record. Normally we record on Thursdays for people who are listening who don't kind of know the context. So so today for us, February 18th, we record on February 19th. You'll, you're, right. you'll hear this. And so that's kind of how we do it. So we get the whole week. We collect everything that's going through. We think, hey, we're good. And then the news of JJ Watt broke, and I'll tell you, I didn't. I mean, I guess you obviously see it coming from the state of Texans are in to- they're just in total disarray, and it's hard. But even from that standpoint, you think, golly, surely they're not so misguided that you have the chance of losing JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson. I mean, it. I, I think. Maybe you don't really see it coming, but from a fan standpoint, it, it's totally blindsides you. I mean, many would say JJ was the face of the Texans, but many would probably say JJ is the face of Houston sports in general. Done so much for the city, um, and uh, and so it just comes to a shock to many, even being a Floridian and seeing the news, just totally shocked. Uh, maybe not surprised maybe could have saw it coming just from what's going on in the organization and things like that. But um, what, what what's a good team? What's a good fit for JJ? Well, you know, I think from a standpoint of what's a good fit, it, surely it's got to be a contender. Right. I, I don't know. I'd love to see him go to somewhere like the Cowboys because I want to keep watching the games. <laughs> we regionally only get Houston or Dallas. And so I'd love for him to go somewhere I don't know cap space numbers, as we've said before. We're not insider experts. We don't know all that kind of stuff. But you, you got to believe he's going to go somewhere to a contender. Pittsburgh, he's got his brothers there. Maybe that makes too much sense. I don't know. But certainly they are a contender. The Chiefs would be the favorites above yeah. anyone to get back to the Super Bowl. But they also have a ton of money already committed, and in, in, in would he go there? Green Bay makes sense. He's from Wisconsin. My guess is that he will actually go somewhere – that's more of a one-tier down low-level contender. I'm going to use right. the example of Tom Brady. Okay. I mean, Tom Brady left and said, everybody said, well, wherever he's going to go, he's going to go to a, a contender. When Tom Brady was looking for teams, Tampa Bay was not considered a contender at all. And yet Brady then comes in and they became a contender. So I my guess would be he lands somewhere. He still has 
the need to land a, a decent contract. I don't think he's looking to do like some have done, just play kind of one year, string it together here and there for a few down the road. But I think he's got to land somewhere at contender. I think it'll be somewhere a little off the radar, but a team that that maybe is building towards a contender. That, that would be my guess. Yeah, so two teams that come to mind, and let me know what you think. First team, Cleveland Browns. I've heard a lot of noise coming from Cleveland saying that he's heavily considering Cleveland. Um, I don't know what the draw is to Cleveland. Maybe they are on the cusp, um, but maybe – I mean, it's still Cleveland. What do you think? No, I, I – uh, that would probably be a good example of a slightly low-level team. Certainly Cleveland surprised a lot of people. Maybe they surprised no one. Had a great year. Baker Mayfield is a good young quarterback. There's probably better hope if you're just looking, say, he wants to be somewhere for four years. So, right. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, that situation is going to have to be resolved in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Doesn't have a plan there. So do they try to put all the eggs in a basket and make a run? And, and while you're at it, you've got to always look at all these subliminal tweets that these guys put out. And this week, JJ says, free agency is wild. Yeah. <laughs> and TJ Watt retweets it with the uh, Willy Wonka. Tell me more about this. <laughs> so is TJ even long-term in Pittsburgh? Who knows? But at the end of the day, I don't think it's crazy, no. Speaking of tweets, Deshaun Watson actually tweeted, at, tweeted and said, uh, at JJ and said, let's finish what we started. And, you know, we know Deshaun is, in, uh, is with the Cardinals. Um, would that be a good fit? DeAndre's with the Cardinals, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, DeAndre. Yeah, really I'm, I'm not a big Sorry. fan on the Cardinals at all. I, Cliff Kingsbury's recreated Texas Tech 2.0 out there. <laughs> Score a lot of points. They finish 500. A that's lot of true, flash, yeah. a lot of excitement. And I, I just don't think that's would be a good spot. Obviously, a great place to go retire. The weather's great. But if you're just kind of looking at a few things here, the, the thing that just kind of – is disappointing. I remember seeing the news. My daughter, my daughter, for those of you, I think everybody w would know if you're listening to this, but maybe you don't. My daughter is gone as JJ Watt for Halloween for three years. Okay. <laughs> three so years. Wow. we, we, she loves JJ Watt. Okay. She doesn't want to celebrate the hundredth day of school. She wants to celebrate 99th day of school. And so when she came home from school, she was heartbroken. And I just remember you and me talking about this maybe in the first podcast is that great franchises figure out a way to let great players end where they should. Right. And Tom Brady is an, is an exception because he's playing for 37 years. Okay. No one's foresaw this, but if you just kind of go down the list a, a little bit, Lawrence Taylor was a great played his whole career as a giant. I mean, Bruce Smith plays virtually his whole career with the bills Ronnie Lott is a great defensive player, spends a decade with the 49ers and then two years with the Rams and the Jets as he finishes out. Dick Buckus plays his whole career with the Bears. Mean Joe Green, his whole career with the Steelers. Ed Reed plays 10 years with Baltimore but before just one year left with the Texans, one year with the Jets. Those guys who went somewhere – um, with the exception of great defensive players, maybe you would add Deion Sanders, but he's a prima donna, so he just goes everywhere. Right. But everybody else, man, you know, they I just don't feel like JJ's got one year left. It just if he had one year left, kind of it makes sense. But there's just some things that I, I think about for him. He's the heart of your team, yes, but he's the heart of your city. Forty two million dollars he mm. raised for Hurricane Harvey. He's the face of all that is good. Um 
the other thing that I wonder, your head coach is 65 years old, <laughs> right? So what's your window for success? Right. I mean, if you're saying, hey, we got to dump him, $17.5 million hit. Okay, we got to dump him because we, we got to be ready for the future. I'm not sure your your coach lives five more years. I mean, let's just be honest. You hired a 94-year-old to be your head coach. You're saying, hey, we want to win now, I think. I, I don't know. And yet, scream it. No, and yet you trade off a guy because you think, hey, well, maybe he only has two more years left. Well, I think that's all you've got in you. And it just comes back to who's making the questions, you know, who's making the decisions. If they trade Deshaun also, who's the franchise? Who's the face? Is Jack Easterby? It's Cal Hall McNair. I mean, I I don't know. Man, this is the part that really sucks about being a fan because you want to just move on. And yes, it, it, it hurts big time. It does hurt. But no matter wherever JJ goes, he's going to make a big impact. Um, he's going to do great things. I think he'll do great as a as a pass rush, maybe a three down guy um, and uh, just go and get after the quarterback. But I think wherever he goes, uh, they're going to they're going to be great. Um, let's go down. Let's move on. Let's go and talk about Snowvid. All right. This crazy fiasco that has just taken place in texas right and from my understanding what i've read um is even though texas has has seen snow recently in certain areas right not all over the state right the state of texas hasn't seen snow since 1968 is that correct well you gotta think of texas as a country not a state so there's there's lots it's like four states in one so i'm from the panhandle this would be nothing. In fact, this is this is regular. I, I saw they were going to go to school on Thursday. The only reason they canceled was to help the power situation. Wow. So I remember as a kid, on days like we've had, you would get up early to be one of the first at school because being the first at school meant donuts in the parking lot at school because it was untouched. We would put snow in the back of our buddy's truck and we would go park out by the tennis court so that when when kids came back from lunch, we would throw snowballs at them. I mean, we you routinely went to school with snow on the ground. It just it was it was normal. Now, we're both new to Franklin. Right. And it does appear that this kind of snow that we got a couple weeks ago <laughs> is, <not> is abnormal. <laughs> what is completely abnormal though is the severity of the cold weather that plunged south of Dallas. Dallas gets snow, gets ice, but for it to come down into the Houston area, which is the third largest city in the country, is just absolutely, it's really unprecedented, probably a once in a generation storm. Right, and it snowed here, what, three weeks ago, almost a month ago, something like that, and as a Floridian, that first time was fun, but this time is not fun. Like, it's cold, it's icy, it's just, it's not fun to me. So like, what do you think of about what's going on here in Texas? Like, is it, is it fun? <laughs> no, it's not fun because the the whole country's making fun of us. And the that's, whole country. that's not fun. I think what's important to remember is in Texas, you're, it, it got down to negative two in Franklin a couple nights ago, got down to Insane. seven in Houston that if it got down to seven in Houston. Okay. That's literally a hundred degrees colder than what most Houstonians are used to a hundred degrees. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And 
I, I, what is going on in Houston? Obviously, global warming. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> we are freezing our tails off. Uh, we can't get anything to stay warm. We suffered even damage here at the church with our pipes busting and people all over. My parents sustained damage that way. We know people all in our community all throughout Houston. It's an absolute mess, but never native Texan, with the exception of five years in Tennessee, I've never seen a stretch where uh, we went 180 something hours here in Franklin with it right. ever getting above freezing. That's that's just never happened. When in all of our time in Houston, 18 years in Houston, I lived there, it would get below freezing for two hours. I mean, you know, you, the world is ending. I mean, you know, I remember people have a have a cup of ice they put it on their back porch. They'd say, you know, the Houston ice storm. <laughs> we we will rebuild. But this is different. This is unprecedented and it has left behind a horrible mess. Yeah, speaking of power, like you said, there's 30 million, uh, 30 million people in Texas, 30 million people in Texas and almost 4 million people, a little over 4 million people have gone without power. How did we get to this point of power outages? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know some, right? We, it, it, we, we got here because a, a combination of things. If you drive from Franklin to West Texas, when I was a kid, you drove and you smelled oil wells and they stunk. And my dad would say, you know what that is? That's the smell of money. And me and my brother would say, money stinks. <laughs> now, if you drive, you see these massive, for as far as the eye can see, these massive wind turbines. Mm, yes. And that is a huge piece. In, in Texas, 31 gigawatts of, of energy to the grid come from wind. That's a third. And at the height of the ice, only 6% was coming from wind. And, and these things froze up. Now, in full transparency, they have the ability not to freeze up because they have wind in Canada and throughout the Midwest and things like that. But at the end of the day, what, what they have is that they didn't protect these uh, turbines from freezing temperatures. They have the ability to winterize them. They have the ability to put some things in them to keep them from freezing up. The same with the natural gas lines. Texas lost a ton of natural gas because the natural gas lines aren't insulated. They can insulate them, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a once in a generation storm. And so you don't necessarily make those precautions to do those kind of things, much like you would do in your own house. And so a combination of ice and clouds over solar panels and frozen, but I think there's probably more there and, uh, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be the costliest storm ever to mm -hmm. hit the state of Texas. And I think we're going to find out what we saw on social media. Yeah. The wind turbines froze. Yeah. The gas lines froze, but I'm going to suspect there's a few other issues as we unpack the thaw that is to come in the days ahead. Absolutely. And I think we kind of answered this. Um, I know I certainly am, but are you ready for the snow to go away? No, I'm not ready for the snow to go away, okay? Because this is a much bigger issue. We'll talk about this someday on a podcast. I choose to see what is down the road, but I choose to live in the moment. Because I know as soon as the snow goes away, we're back to the hustle and bustle. And I'll tell you this. I just have loved four days. Today's, today, as you're listening, this will be Friday. And we did not have to do virtual learning today. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. the Lord. <laughs> and we just got to spend time with our girls. We'll just spend a ton of time today with them, just hanging out on Friday, and there will be no virtual learning. And I've, I enjoy that. I know my daughter's about to turn nine, my oldest. That's halfway. That She's halfway to 18. And and I know that that time with her is limited. And, and Hunsley is just one year behind. And so I enjoy these moments. It's 
it doesn't come easily, but it has taken great uh, wisdom from people who've walked this road before me to say, man, I'm just going to enjoy the heck out of this moment. And obviously when the ice passes, the warm up's going to come. And when it gets hot in Texas, it's going to get hot. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's, let's get to a serious uh, rundown. All right. Ravi Zacharias, um, a big name, right? A man who's recognized as a man of faith. He was big in Christian apologetics, right? Many would look at him to answer difficult questions of theology, right? He traveled the world um, and did all these uh, conferences and things like that. I, I had the opportunity to listen to him teach uh, on on certain occasions in person. Um, but on May 19th of 2020, Ravi passed away. Right. And it was a sad day in that moment for the Christian community. Right. But then slowly things start to turn up. Right. So upon investigation, Ravi had allegations of abuse um, and sexual misconduct with multiple women. Right. So more than 50 individuals were interviewed, Um, you know, uh, dozens of, of massage therapists who were threatened by Ravi. Um, several massage therapists confirmed that Ravi's um, frequent efforts, in the words of one massage therapist, tried try for more than a massage, right? Um, he would reportedly go to these massage therapists um, and, and uh, just attempt these things with them. One witness said that uh, Zacharias engaged in sexual intercourse, um, and one reported that after Ravi arranged for the ministry to provide him with with financial support. He demanded sex from her. So, like all these things come up, um, and it's sad to see. Um, and it's a it's kind of a harsh truth um, in many aspects uh, that that no one is above sin, right? Um, so, for you as a pastor, you read this, you see this. Um, how how do you see this? It's really heartbreaking. It's not surprising. It's really heartbreaking. And I see this not just as a pastor, you know, I see this as a dad of daughters. And so for me, I talk about this all the time. I think the greatest damage to the church seldom comes from the enemy's attacks outside of the church, but it comes inside the church. And mm. I think for us being pastors in the Bible belt, I spent time in Tennessee. They call Tennessee the Bible belt buckle. And for a lot of us who who here who pastor like we are in that area i think so often the hardest thing is not preaching to the atheist it's preaching to the person who knows church who's been in church who's been baptized and who thinks they're good who thinks everything's fine and we have to remember any of us can fall at any moment and so often we fall in love with that idea of of God's grace as this thing we know about, but we haven't experienced. And so we don't live with repentance. We don't live with conviction and confession of our sins. And what we recognize is that when we are faithful to confess those, Scripture tells us He is faithful to forgive us. But private sin always leads to a public fall, and we try to hold on to so much of those things. And I I think that's what happens when when church becomes a show or it becomes a game mm. and it's important I've I was blessed to be around some huge churches I've been around some phenomenal people in 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 time and some of the biggest names in the SBC and some of those guys are even 
better in person than you see on stage. And some of those guys are exponentially worse in person than you see on stage. And so it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, But I think it speaks to the value of understanding our own walk and our own life and saying, hey, at the end of the day, my pursuit is of Christ not of a man. And the Lord has called me to pastor this church. I think it also speaks to the value of being connected in a local church versus a a parachurch kind of organization that goes around. Um, There's such great accountability to a pastor in a local church versus in, in a, in a, in kind of a worldwide ministry where you're just constantly on the go. I've, I've long said this when I would take students to camp or kids to camp, I want the camp speaker to be a pastor at a church somewhere right. because the things he says on stage, I know will not just be accountable at the camp, but I know he's got a church somewhere holding him accountable. Who knows him because they see him in the grocery right. store and they see him in his life. And, and I think it speaks to us that as pastors, we're not above sin either. Right. Anyone can fall into a pattern of sin. And we, we, and we all have to recognize that and, and constantly be on guard in the pursuit of our faith and, and the pursuit of protection. That Maybe you're listening today and you're not necessarily a person of faith, but, but you would still recognize that you're, you're a person of integrity and right. truth and some of the exact same ways that we protect those, uh, we as believers have to do those as well. Mm. That's right. And uh, and you kind of hit on it, but like you have to be careful who you follow, right? You said not to follow a man, but to follow Christ. Um, and that is so important in someone's walk of faith. Like we have so many people, um, so many pastors who we watch online, who we go to to help us um, just dig through deep, deep questions. But in reality, um, and I talked about it uh, maybe a month or month and a half ago when I preached, like we have to go after Christ. We have to press on. We have to strive for Christ and know him and know him more. And, uh, and that, so that's just so important. Um, there's two pieces that come out of this report that really jumped out to me. Uh, one was a statement from a ministry employee who said, how could a man so beloved and respected commit such acts? Mm. And I would say, because he's a sinner, just like everybody else. Mm. And when you put someone on a pedestal above that, you, you have to remember. Now, it's a little tricky because we recognize that as pastors, we're, we're called by the Lord to do this. And 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 so we, we are Christ's representative here to, to, to shepherd and to guide our church. And again, that's kind of where, where I would point to the difference between a church and a ministry there. But there's an interesting line that I think interweaves us to the final point about all of this is that ultimately the independent report that the Ravi Zechariah International Ministries provided was that the ministry did not know about these abuses, mm. but that they provided little to no accountability. Mm. And I think that is the key word for all of us is the accountability. The the girl, was it her last name was Thompson? Maybe she she was kind of the one who led the yeah. charge. And she had that line that said, uh, they, they asked, why didn't you come forward so much earlier? She said, well, well who would believe me? Well, yes. We're, we're, this is the difficult thing in this podcast. We committed to, to tackle all topics. And so this isn't fun. We'd rather be funny. I'm, I, you know, we, you, you'd much be rather be listening to my top quality jokes right now, but there, we do have to wade into some of this a little bit because we had a situation in this country where we were headed down this road called the me too movement. And 
as a dad of two daughters, I was ultimately encouraged by that, that, Hey, we were going to be in a situation where just the proper treatment of women would be protected. Mm. Then that kind of shifted to believe all women, except that's reckless. And I would land with, Hey, we got to believe truthful people. Right. And that's, that's, that that's where we have to have and 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 you gain truth and you gain integrity by being a person who is accountable and by living a life above reproach and a life that even avoids the perception of remaining above reproach and so the the word that comes back here when it comes to it all is saying hey there's got to be accountability to those who are in the wrong there's got to be accountability to those who failed to defend these girls who knew payments were being made. Look, I don't know who was guilty, but somebody's making payments. Right. Somebody knew these dollars weren't adding up and no one would speak up for a girl. No one would have accountability. Those girls, my guess is, I remember reading in the report that he would talk to them. He would get them isolated, mm. right? They would have uh, had, had made big mistakes in their past. Right. And those were girls. Some of those mas massage girls had big mistakes in their past. And so they were trying to get a new start. And he would really, when you are isolated, you are vulnerable. Mm. And there's just great, that word accountability circles so many ways. You need accountability in your own life. Girlfriends who know what's going on, girls that you confide in if you're out there and 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 you're a, a female who's being in a bad situation, you don't need to be alone. You need girls in your life. You need accountability in your life. You need an accountability circle. And from a pastor standpoint, we need accountability too. It's the loneliest right. job. 10% of pastors, only 10% will retire as a pastor. Mm. It is a really, really lonely job. Mm. And at the end of the day, we need people in our life who know us off stage, off camera, off podcast, and who can vouch whether we are or aren't the people we claim to be. That's right. So good. So good. And uh, I hope that this brought you encouragement today. Um, no, we we tackled um, some fun topics, but also a hard topic. Um, uh, um, you know, I, the one thing I would add here is just a couple things that, that jump out to me. In Acts 2.42, we see the church coming together. They're using that word fellowship, koinonia, intimate community. Mm. Pro, uh, Proverbs 27.17 is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And not to, again, we're, we're making huge leaps here, but I believe that it can be woven together in some context. And, and we look at how much isolation came as a result of the COVID shutdowns and things like that. And, yes. and you read this story and you read these methodologies by the world. And I continue to come back to this thought. The goal of the devil is isolate, mm. but the call for the Lord has been for us to congregate, to be with other believers, to be edified, to be unified. And in that report with Ravi Zacharias, it says multiple times, he loved to travel alone. Mm. That's terrible. I've never spoken at a camp without my family in tow. I hate being alone. There's danger in being alone. And right. the enemy wants to get you alone. He wants to isolate believers. And the Lord has called us to congregate. And so across the board, I think all of these have that woven together that says, hey, if you see someone in need today, mm. You need to offer need. Right. But what I think I've seen so much in much of this is sometimes it's hard for us to accept help. It's hard for us to say, like Thompson would say, who would believe me? Well, you know, we, we struggle to say, hey, I, I'll accept that friendship. I'll accept that help. But look, here's the deal. When we choose to remain isolated, 
then we're preventing ourselves from receiving the help that's being offered. Yes. But you know what else we're doing? Sometimes we prevent the person who is trying to help from receiving the blessing of the giftings that the Lord has put in their life to be an encourager, to be a provider, to be someone helps. And and at the end of the day, that's what I think it boils down to. Mm, so good. So good. Uh, again, hope this brought you encouragement. Um, I know we tackled some, some a hard subject and some fun ones. Um, but if that's you, please reach out. If you're in need, if you're in help, please reach out. Um, find that help. Seek that help. Don't be isolated, um, but be surrounded by people who love you, who care for you, who will do things for you. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, if uh, if you enjoyed this, please hit the share button. Share this with a friend. Like it. Subscribe. Uh, we'd love to keep this thing growing. We'd love to keep this thing moving. Um, anyways, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. It's been what we think. It's been our opinion. And we hope it's been of some blessing to you for what it's worth.